Okay. <laughs> That's going in the bloopers compilation. <laughs> well, it's a, another great Sunday-making podcast. It's like 85 fucking degrees in my house, and my computer just restarts for no reason. It got a little hot. So my sister and her friends would go get these movies, most of which the titles would be The Blank just fill in a fucking word and I guarantee you there's a movie of it and we probably watched it. The refrigerator stuck out in my mind. There are some other ones that stuck out in my mind that we'll probably try to find eventually for later episodes of the podcast. Just keep that in the back of your head. And as for how we watched this movie, <laughs> I mentioned to some of our friends that we were doing it for the podcast and I was like, I don't want to watch this by myself. So, uh, who wants to get drunk and have an online watch party? And then you decided to join as well, which was good, because if you had just watched this by yourself, I think you would have either turned it off or checked out ten minutes in. I definitely would have, yep. <laughs> you know me too well. Well, I mean, that's what most people have as a reaction to this movie. If you're going to watch this one, find some friends get as shmammered drunk or high or whatever it is you like to do get that way and watch this movie because uh just sitting down and watching it is not not good and if you don't have friends <laughs> just get good loser please please add me on twitter i need friends <laughs> The guy talking about his fucking dating app date, calling everybody losers. <laughs> fucking cool is, dude. Is that lame to do? <laughs> I don't know. I just remember back when uh, meeting people online had a stigma to it, and now it's completely fucking normal, and the, like, five people who killed themselves over being bullied about it are really missing out. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say dead now. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> Well, I mean, also, yes, but <laughs> also the only way to watch this movie is on YouTube. One of the writers slash producers of this movie has a YouTube channel that is dedicated solely to this movie. He didn't actually put the videos into a playlist, so I did that. <laughs> so if you Google the refrigerator 1991 and you see a playlist, you're welcome. <laughs> 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 There's not going to be a lot about this movie in this podcast about this movie. <laughs> I do want to, I do want to, because I think it's important to note the <laughs> insane, like, tech gymnastic, gymnastics that were trying to be attempted to watch this movie. Like, join Mumble and then join this other survey and screen share it, but it's double audio, and then maybe we can project it through tabletop simulator watch a video through there so we can all watch it at the same time at the end we just all click play at the same time so me and my friends have been doing watch parties through amazon prime it actually has something built in where you click watch party and then you just send a link to everybody and as long as they have amazon prime they can join the watch party and watch it with you and only one person controls when it plays when it doesn't all that but since this movie is only available on youtube we were trying to do honestly it's it's our friend uh foster david foster wallace <laughs> infinite jest our friend foster gray if you want to look him up online he does some game streaming and whatnots but for whatever reason he really wanted to just all watch the exact same stream and i told him we could all just click play at the same time but 
Yeah, so we went through about an hour and a half of hell to just end up doing what I suggested in the first place, but that's fine. That's fine, guys. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> are are you recovering, though? Are you over your technology PTSD? Oh, no, it was actually fine. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so you're not scared off of it yet? That's good. No, nah, no, nah, that's fine. That's fine. But there was also the tech-ish issue of this playlist. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nine parts and you, I guess the videos were separate and you put them into a playlist so it's easier to watch. But every time one video ends, it's like cut into, I don't know, 20 minute, 15, 20 minute segments. Uh, not even. It's every segment is less than 10 minutes. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. So every 10 minutes or so <laughs> it ends. <laughs> the next video begins in the playlist and it's like part two and it plays the last like 10 to 15 seconds of the last video. <laughs> And it just feels like previously on the refrigerator. <laughs> Literally every time a new video started, we one of us would say previously on the refrigerator. Last time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, last time. It's like an episode of Grey's Anatomy or something where a different character says it at the beginning of each episode. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> So that was a joy for me. I enjoyed that part. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to enjoy. Just, like, having to watch movies in a weird way really does add to the experience. Because, for instance, back in the day, it was always kind of a treat if you got to go to like a drive-in or some mm. old theater, you know, playing movies instead of your modern cineplex and whatnot with like 12 to 20 screens and all of that shit instead you go to like a really small single screen theater and it's a it's a totally different experience and now we're learning uh we get to have weird fun online interactions mm. <laughs> while watching movies it's very different but i'm still having fun with it so <laughs> but this movie wait do we Don't do the thing? Too hard. no we Did haven't we done do the, the actual intro say, <laughs> no what is this <laughs> What are we doing? <laughs> We're just rambling. The <laughs> We're just spiraling uh, into chaos. <laughs> Welcome back to Real Specific. <laughs> Previously on Real Specific. <laughs> my name's Jake. Here with me, as always, is my friend. Hey, I'm Klaus. I'm trying something new every time. I'm going to find it. You know, what works. <laughs> If you can't do it in October, when can you do it, you know? Um, just go oh, for that's it. True. That's true. It is October, in case you're wondering. This episode should be coming out about a week before Halloween, hopefully. Sometime in the week leading up to Halloween. This month has been Haunted Item Horror. And today, we're talking about The Refrigerator, 1991. Directed by Nicholas Jacobs, written by Christopher Oldcorn... Nicholas Jacobs and Philip Dolan. Uh, yeah, we'll be talking about Chris Oldcorn a lot. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's a cryptid. I'm like 100% sure he's a cryptid. <laughs> as far as subgenre themes, what all themes have we had this month, Close? They all have a haunted object. Mm -hmm. um, Other than that, it's mostly just been standard horror tropes, right? The, you have the standard ones, but I think also we have some of the movies we've seen are playing with like knowingly messing with the fourth wall, mm -hmm. either kind of in an enjoyable way playing around it or like beating the audience with the fourth wall <laughs> with the bricks. We, we get it. You didn't like rubber. All right. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not blaming anyone for hating rubber. <laughs> 
And I did want to bring up, I didn't realize it until, like, a couple of days ago, but I think a running theme we've had up to this point is the very A-plot, B-plot setup of these mm. movies. Uh, you think about Oculus, you have your A-plot, which is in the present, and your B-plot, which is in the past. Mm-hmm. The Cabin in the Woods, you have your A-plot, which, honestly, because we're introduced to the office workers first, I think that would technically be your A-plot. Well, no, the main movie is about the college students, so we'll call your college students your A-plot in that, and your underground facility people your B-plot. And then Rubber, you have the A-plot of a sentient psychic tire, and the audience and the people... All the other people involved as your B-plot, which is this whole weird fucked up mess. Does this one have that? I don't think it... <laughs> yeah, I, I came up with this theme, and then we break it with the final movie <laughs> for the month. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it does, unless, unless we count that 30 minutes of the Birds movie we watched as a B-plot. Oh, God. Save it. Save it. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and put this in this episode. I sent Christopher Oldcorn, who is one of the writers of this movie and the pro- and a producer of this movie. Like I said, he's the only one running the YouTube channel that has this movie broken up into nine parts on it. And like, that's it. No other videos or anything. I don't think he's very active on that YouTube channel. But I sent him a little message asking him if he would want to come talk about the movie on the podcast. So if he doesn't answer me, you're hearing this episode. If he does answer me, we'll re-record and hopefully have him on for that. And that could be fun. So if you're hearing this, we didn't get answered in time. It's fine. (laughs) As far as, I don't know if there's much of a B-plot in this one. I'm trying to think of something I could plug in as a B-plot, but... I just don't think there is one. It's basically the basic plot summary of the movie, because we're not going to dive into every little detail on this, is very white-bred blonde woman and her husband move to the big city of New York because she wants to be an actress. He gets a shitty office job or something, and they find out that they, well, they eventually come to find out that their refrigerator is eating people. (laughs) and trying to eat them and it's like psychologically fucking with the both of them throughout the entire movie and that's that's basically it it's just ruining their lives and trying to make them stay home and stay close to it you know if you hear that plot summary and think this sounds stupid it is (laughs) some of these stupid movies are like painful to watch and some of them, if you watch them with friends drinking alcohol or juice. <laughs> Water. Water's always good Water. for the body. Water, your body craves it. But if you're doing it with some friends, it is enjoyable to watch. It's funny. It, you rag on it and you laugh and about how stupid it is. And this is one of those movies where it's not winning any awards anywhere. But it is not the purposefully malicious horror that it rubber was. And I know there aren't going to be a lot of Halloween parties going on this year because 2020 is a black hole that just keeps keeps taking. 
everything from us. So if you do have a little get together, even if it's virtual and you have like movies on in the background or whatever, this is a great Halloween background movie because every once in a while you look up at the screen or you hear a line that out of nowhere and no context is hilarious and sometimes you look up at the screen and someone is being eaten by a big-ass 1950s refrigerator. And it's pretty funny that way. So, you know, if you just need some background noise for a party or for a get-together or something, this is a good one to do. Yeah, if we weren't already living in hell that is this year, yeah, I, this would be a fantastic movie to put in the background. <laughs> we just want to jump into this movie and we'll we'll see what fucking happens. <laughs> Yeah, so I have a couple highlights. Uh, mm -hmm. First off, we have the, the cold opening. Gotta have a cold opening. There's a couple, and they're clearly drunk and like laughing the entire time as they climb like 30 flights of stairs. It is a tremendous number of stairs. And at the top of each flight, you get to meet a little character that's just hanging around the apartment building. Yeah, and they all have their doors open and they're just standing there as this couple walks by, and they're all very different. Like you get like a <laughs> Buffalo Bill creepy person and a weird messed up couple and it's it's all the entire gamut as this drunk couple is laughing their ass off up the stairs they eventually make it to this apartment building they have sex for like three seconds and the guy passes out and then there's a light from the refrigerator and it eats the woman and then that's your cold opening you, get, you gotta love this like obligatory sex scene in the beginning where the man is like completely naked I, I think most of the time he's in his whitey tighties he's just a very giant hairy man with a big old beard and the woman gets on top of rising for like all of two three seconds and he's like oh i'm done i'm passed out and she's like well fuck all right puts shirt back on <laughs> and tries to make a sandwich or something i don't know what she's doing this uh, this whole apartment's a mess <laughs> can't say that it's 2020 <laughs> Well, she can make herself a sandwich. It's not like I was commanding her to get me a sandwich. <laughs> People still make their own food, Klaus. Come on. I, I haven't eaten in days. Yeah, you get this wonderful freeze frame close-up of her mouth in red and black as she screams yeah. and big old title screen, the refrigerator. And so there's no whatever about it it's this refrigerator is evil and it eats people yes it's exactly what the title says we flash back to the the couple in their like white suburban suburbia wherever they're from semi at least semi or well-to-do parents and probably want them to go to college or whatever and they don't they decide to run off and get married and go to new york city to chase their dreams she wants to be an actress and he's gonna you know figure something out so they go out to New York City, but it's crazy expensive. So they have to go to like, you know, somewhere where they can afford. And they find this apartment that, that Steve, who's the husband, tries to negotiate down um, <laughs> and gets it from 400 down to 200 because the apartment renter who's like, what is what is this archetype he's playing? Like a like a Latino <sighs> mafia mob boss or something? I guess that's what they were going for i don't know why you wouldn't just go italian guy it, unless you only had access to a bunch of latino men because you were actually filming in like florida or something instead of new york because mm -hmm. a lot of those early scenes when they are you know back home or whatever it, it looks a lot more like southeast but supposedly this movie was filmed in new york that's all i know 
So this property owner who's like played off as a mafia boss or has the cigar and the slick back hair and everything lets them get this deal for $200 a month, this crazy cheap apartment. We have to say that when Steve first offers $400 a month, the guy laughs at him and is like, you don't know New York real estate, do you, Steve? And then he's like, at 400 you might as well have offered 200 And then the refrigerator opens up and somehow like Jedi mind tricks the property owner into being like, yeah, why not? $200 a month <laughs> just to <laughs> let Steve and whatever our female lead's name is stay there. So, yeah, we're we're getting refrigerator Jedi mind tricks <laughs> for some reason. So this this mob boss or property owner, whatever he is, the landlord, he is aware that something is at least fishy. But this whole time, I can't even explain the like the the vibe of this movie like the it's just screams i guess 80s or 90s or something so they're when they're driving out there one phrase that i i have to put out there is they're saying like oh you know we're going out here it's going to be risky we're going to make our dreams work what we want to do is not easy trying to steal the bait right off the hook and not get caught takes a sly fish you know it's going to take a real sly fish to do that. Yeah, I totally didn't understand this metaphor at all. Because I guess they're trying to steal the bait off the hook, is what they're saying? Without I guess so. hitting the hook or something? I don't know. It doesn't quite work in this scenario, but it's the hilarious amount of weird phrasings and like words like buster. It's very mid-80s and weird. It's it's all just strange. So I will say this movie came out in 1991. They started production on it in 1987. So it it took a while to get this movie put together and put out to the public because it was then 1991 they decided not to get it rated by all the associations and they didn't put it into theaters they just put it out on vhs and said fuck it which is probably why it's nearly impossible to find anymore <laughs> between that and the fact that it was put out by two independent film companies who i'm sure didn't exist after like 1995 or something yeah i don't know what the rights deal is with this movie i'm sure they're just floating out in space somewhere now and that's, I'm sure that contributes to, to like the vibe, because it does have this sort of 80s, but maybe early sometimes, and sometimes feels like late 80s vibe to the film between the phrases and words they use, the clothing, mm -hmm. obviously, and the music and the soundtrack, too. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, Steve's personality, his character, especially in the beginning, but kind of throughout the movie, is the closest reference I can give is Stu from the Rugrats, which is the, the father of Tommy, mm -hmm. who's just like this weird, wacky guy that doesn't quite seem real. <laughs> yeah. And that is the closest reference I can give you. Do you know all the fan theories about Rugrats? Like all the crazy mm -hmm. fan theories? No, no, I've never heard any. <laughs> so the whole thing, the whole big theory behind it is that all of the Rugrats, the children that we follow around, are actually dead especially tommy because his father like quits his job at the very beginning of the show and becomes a full-time toy inventor and that's his job for the rest of the original show it's this whole thing of like he had a son and he loved him and loved 
you know, playing games with them and stuff. And then after his son died, he just went crazy and started making toys for a living that he can't sell. And, like, Chucky's mom is dead, but Chucky's dad has this whole weird thing. And the idea is that Chucky is also dead, but his dad has just had a horrible mental break and won't acknowledge that his wife is gone or that his son is gone. And it's this whole big thing. That sounds terrifying. It kind of makes sense. There's that one scene that I will never forget. It's a, it's a meme, too. You can find it. Where <laughs> Stu's wife comes in. What is her name? Barbara. Whatever. She Dee comes Dee. in. Dee Dee. Yeah, yeah. Dee Dee? I think yeah, it she, might be Dee Dee. I haven't seen Rugrats in decades. <laughs> That's also Dexter's Laboratories sister. Yeah. I also yeah. haven't seen it in, in decades either. Anyway, she comes in and she's like, Stu, what are you doing at 3 a.m.? And he's like, I'm making pudding because I've lost control of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Cream fresh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just give in to it. It's 2020. The world's ending. You know, get it while you can. Oh, Jesus. So, Steve and Eileen, I don't even know what's going on at this point in the movie. Let's go with Eileen. They have a party. Yeah, so they move into this new apartment in a city that where they supposedly don't know anyone so that she can become an actress and... Immediately they have a party, like a housewarming party, with all these people that I guess they don't know, or they do know? I don't know. I don't think they know anyone. I think it's just people in the apartment building, and it's 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 weird, you know? <laughs> I like to be friendly and outgoing, but I just would not invite everyone from an apartment building a day after I moved there. Into your apartment as well. Like that's Yeah. <laughs> it's still empty. There's still packing boxes stacked up. There's like barely any furniture. There's there's no lights on. It's just candles. Yeah. Throughout the entire the movie they will never unpack. <laughs> there there will just no. be boxes every fucking where for no reason. Oh, and we forgot to mention sometimes the uh refrigerator just magically spawns food that people like. Like, uh, mm. Steve walks in, looks in the refrigerator, and it has his favorite cheese in it. And that's really expensive cheese or whatever. Like, they talk about this cheese, like, six different times in this movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that cheese was brie, and and I don't like brie. It's too, like, squishy and creamy. I like a hard... I like to crack my teeth on cheese, you know? <laughs> I'm not a big, like, cheese guy. I I have friends that really enjoy getting a cheese plate and whatnot every once in a while, and I will partake, but I'm not a picky eater, and I'm not, like, a foodie at all. Like, I'm happy with fucking Wendy's and, you know, a, a Whopper every once in a while. Like, that's about as refined as my taste gets most of the time. I, I love cheese and food, and let me tell you, you don't get a body like this without just a ton of cheese <laughs> <laughs> that, that podcaster body yeah that podcaster physique Ugh. abs as hard as cheese we say that but other than like joe rogan we probably have some of the best podcasting bodies in the business <laughs> hey you know 2021 if the world doesn't end i think we need a podcaster's like calendar mm -hmm. No one would buy that, let's be honest. <laughs> it's just me and you. We we just trade off months throughout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> so they have a party. They cook some burgers. It's kind of a weird vibe. The music's fucking dope, though, you know, 80s. And at some point, the refrigerator leaks, and this lady's like, I don't want to be rude, but your refrigerator's leaking. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't want to be rude, but uh, your toilet's overflowing. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, but and and C basically doesn't respond. <laughs> it's just strange lines like that that really make this movie what it is. Because I mean, so, like, w- what is being rude about telling me my refrigerator's oozing stuff everywhere? I don't. <laughs> also, do you Can have you a small this? dog, or what is that? <laughs> so, oh my god, oh my god. So I um I'm on a rotation away from where I normally am at. Mm-hmm. And so I'm up in the D.C. area, and I recently moved a few days ago to another area in the D.C. area because it's closer to my rotation site. That is my, I guess, roommate is what you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate it here. <laughs> <laughs> You've only been there for like a day, right? <laughs> I've spent one night here, and I I hate it. I hate it. I hate I'm it sorry, so bro. That sucks. Now, I might, I might find a way out of this. Someone offered me to sleep in their basement which i would i'll sleep in someone's garage at this point <laughs> i'm sorry man <laughs> that sucks <laughs> no it's uh, fine so if you hear ra- random noises it's just some um, mcgruggery old dude <laughs> who's like coughing his lungs out so i guess i'll have to start wearing a mask in my fucking room oh man speaking of my job site might get shut down yeah we had a guy test positive for covid and now like four other people have to get tested and if any of them come back positive all the rest of us have to get tested and shut down for like two weeks so that's a fun possibility that seems like i would guess that's pretty likely it is my opinion unless they're testing viral load if they're testing like active viral infection you might get out of it but if they're testing do you have antibodies I imagine someone's going to come back positive. Yeah, I don't know how they're testing. Like we, so throughout the year, we've already had every job site for our company shut down at least once this year. That we were just doing the, you know, like state provided nose swab tests or whatever. Sure. Um, and the last time we did it, I came back negative or whatever. Th- this was before they were doing antibody testing and all that. So I don't know what the standard is now, but. Or if it's changed or what, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. And I've been letting the refrigerator play at one and a half speed while we've been talking just to see if it brought back any memories. After the party and everything, the next thing that is of any import whatsoever is uh, Steve gets a job. He's asleep in bed with Eileen, and we get this weird, I guess, dream sequence of him going to the refrigerator and opening up, opening it up, and there's a big-ass box of Aunt Jemima pancake batter and a big-ass rolling rock can, and he's seeing miniature versions of his new boss and Eileen in the refrigerator, and his new boss is, like, talking to him and telling him what to do or whatever. Steve snaps awake in bed and just says... I am the waffle maker. And gets up and runs to the fucking kitchen to make waffles. <laughs> that is the best part of the movie, I think. Which is nuts. And he gets up and he's like rushing to make waffles. And it's just insane. And there's several dream sequences in this movie that are kind of like this. Where they're, if they're too Steve, they're kind of weird and wacky. And uh, Dalai Lama, what is that? What? Salvador Dalai. Salvador Dalai. <laughs> Not in colors or appearance, but just like weird. 
and Eileen's are like nightmarish. Everything to do with Steve is very surreal, and a lot of this movie is fucking surreal as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, Eileen's are very nightmarish. Just we keep having flashbacks of Eileen's mother on the kitchen floor, like about to stab herself or something. Yeah. Even though we've already had a scene of Eileen talking to her older mother, so we know she's, or, or we think she's alive. I, I really don't know what the fuck happened with this part of the plot at all. I thought she was dead until she showed up in the apartment. I was 100% this woman is dead. But then we have the multiple, like, gateway to hell scenes where her mother is trying to pull her into hell. So is her mother supposed to be alive or dead? I don't know. She dies at some point. Christopher Oldcorn, please get back to me. Please answer the 50 million questions I have about this movie. So the next the next segment of this movie is kind of life goes on. Life finds a way, basically, <laughs> where... Eileen is, like, trying to get her acting career off the job or off the ground. Uh, Steve is kind of at work. Work's kind of tough, but he's, you know, he's working through it. Eileen can't handle making broccoli soup and then having a plumber come in and fix her pipe and <laughs> meet a acting, like, appointment gig where she can, what's it called? Pretend act. Audition. Act. Thank you. That's the word. <laughs> Uh yeah, so she has an acting uh, she has an audition for a part at four o'clock. The refrigerator or the freezer on the refrigerator opens up, and there's a thing of ice cream. She like reaches in to get it because it's her favorite ice cream, but then it's frozen in the bottom of the freezer, and she can't get it out. And then her hand sticks to the side of the inside of the freezer, and it pulls off a chunk of her fucking hand. <laughs> so she has to wrap that up, and then she has this whole like making broccoli something, like you said. She finds like fucking chicken bones in the refrigerator that have already been eaten. The refrigerator snaps closed on her shirt and rips it. And then the fucking super comes in and he's trying to fix the sink or whatever. The whole time she's complaining about how drafty it is in the cabinets because she opens up the cabinet doors and there's just a fucking industrial fan in there for no reason. (laughs) When that first happened, I really thought it was like a... The movie was trying to say this is a very empty cabinet because they're not making a lot of money right now. But when she pointed it out and it just kept doing it, it was a thing. It wasn't just, oh, look how empty, you know, a dust ball rolls across the Western landscape. It's, this cabinet is also haunted. Instead of dust balls, I think we now have to say uh, sentient car tire. <laughs> yeah. Do we, though? You really don't ever want to talk about that movie again, do you? I hate it. I want to delete <laughs> control, delete it from my mind. The super is an interesting character, though. So the super is this Latino guy. When he comes in, he's just got shit strapped all across his body. He's got like knee pads duct taped to his legs. He's got fucking hoses and wrenches and chains and all kinds of shit just hanging off of him. And Eileen's like, "Look, can you just hurry up and finish? I have to be somewhere." And he's like, "Oh, you're a performer." I'm a performer too. Watch me as I dance in your kitchen <laughs> for like what we're told is like 10 or 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she just stood there and watched it the whole time. <laughs> I like that scene because we've all been in that scenario where like we kind of have to go, but someone wants to continue conversation and a normal person will say, hey, we need to 
continue this later or I have to go somewhere. And she just didn't. And it was, it was a, it was actually a hilarious scene. Uh, and playing into that, he looks like if like the plumbers union or like the handyman union pitched in to have someone design a, a superhero representing it, like yeah. super plumber or super handyman is what he looks like. Yeah, because he just has tools duct taped to his chest for whatever reason. He's wearing a costume, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I, I do need to say the budget for this movie was like half a million dollars. Very low budget. Seems like a lot. Considering all of the effects that are in this movie, it's really not very much money. I mean, between all the costuming and the special effects that they have going on, which of course this is late 80s, so everything is practical. And honestly, I love most of the effects in this movie, even the really cheap ones. Like, you can tell a lot of it is just, you know strings are tied to something and it flies across the room or someone's holding something up and their hand is just outside of the shot you know shit like that but i love that kind of shit like even the refrigerator door opening it's most of the time it's clearly just someone on the other side of the door opening it or a string tied to the handle pulling it open but yeah i i love all this shit and Getting a movie done like this for half a million dollars, I I applaud anyone who gets it done, even if they have to, you know, compose all of their own really shitty music that doesn't really fit the movie at all. <laughs> so. so as Eileen kind of has this tough day, she's kind of also working into the neighborhood and the environment. She's adapting pretty well. This plumber guy super or whatever his name is pablo and, and all of those people seem to be nice people and she's kind of becoming friends with them in a way meanwhile steve tries to get in good with his boss and brings up his son and his boss doesn't like brown nosers and he's the low man on the totem pole and he has a crappy time at work see bateman perhaps no one has fully explained your duties around here you see you are the low man on the totem pole that means you're the guy that can always blame for fuck-ups. Yeah? Absolutely. You have to eat doo-doo from everybody here. That's your job. That is, yeah. Two office workers come up and basically put him in his place, and that's what they say to him. So he's not having a good time at work. And then when he's home, he just sees the neighborhood just checking out his fine wife and hitting on her, and he's, like, crazy jealous. And maybe that jealousy is increased by the refrigerator and things the refrigerator is showing him. Um, and so their relationship is getting strained. Um, and I think our first death after the cold opening is, was it Pablo, the super's like cousin brother? I think Pablo is the super. And then, or I think one of them's named Pablo, one of them's named Juan. It's very like stereotypical Hispanic names. When you say super, what is that? Superintendent. Oh, okay. He's the guy who lives in the building but fixes everything. Have you never had those? Well, I just had never heard that term. I kept thinking of the boys and a superhero. <laughs> okay. And so I was just like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, it's not Homelander coming to fix the pipes, if that's what you're asking. No, it could be, though. Got a lace and bike. <laughs> but yeah, we get the super's assistant, which is his brother or cousin or something like that. And he's dicking off reading comic books while he's sitting in Eileen and Steve's apartment. And the refrigerator just sneaks up behind him and eats the fuck out of him. And a woman from across the road watches through the window. <laughs> <laughs> 
there is a fun fight scene between this guy and the refrigerator where he tries to unplug it and it pretends to be dead for a few yeah. moments and he thinks he's winning. He's just kind of hitting this refrigerator and not running away. Um, and then when it went his guard down, the refrigerator eats him and he screams and yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty entertaining. Refrigerator fight scene. At least when there is action in this movie, it's entertaining and it keeps you locked in. Yeah. Like uh, all of the talking scenes of Steve and Eileen are pretty terrible because the acting is subpar. Steve is terrible to look at. I mean, his everything is just wrong. I don't know. There's nothing interesting being said. It's usually just them fighting about something that no one cares about. None of it really makes any sense. <laughs> and so the, I think the next big thing that happens is the sexy times in front of the refrigerator. But leading up to that, we are introduced to another character who's like, the oracle of the neighborhood or something. And she kind of says weird things to Eileen about, you know, don't breed out of chaos or that, you know, it wants, it wants you to do this run away or something. She's trying to warn her in the, the worst and most confusing way possible. <laughs> this is an old movie trope. Um, the magical Negro basically. And I mean, this goes back forever and ever in stories and film from America, especially. It's a bad trope. It's going away now, thank God. But it's there. It's a thing. Um, she lives in a shanty in the park or something that's just made out of random scrap metal and shit that she's picked up off the road, I guess. And she tries to offer some wisdom to Eileen to get the fuck out of there before this evil takes hold of you or whatever. So there, that's that. So at some point they decide they're going to get it on. I can't remember why it's like hot in their apartment and they're making out. Seems like, wait, I have a great idea. It's kind of like the cabin in the woods where every time the girl protests, the problem is instantly solved. Except in this movie, she only protests once, and that's because it's hot. And he's just like, well, we'll do it in front of the refrigerator with a fan in it, so it's blowing cold air on us. And, uh, yeah, we have this weird threesome scene between them and the refrigerator. <laughs> It's really weird. And I think it's important to note leading up to this, every time Steve has had a weird refrigerator dream, I could see how you could just blow it off because it's weird and it's surreal and it's wacky, but it's not scary per se, where Eileen's have been scary. His have always left him feeling happy or excited or something like he's not put down by these at all. I don't know. It's it, it's lifting him up for whatever reason. Oh, and we forgot to mention, like, it constantly shows him and Eileen asleep in bed and every time it does the camera like is a flat shot of the refrigerator and then dollies over into the bedroom and then slow zooms onto Steve's face with his nose directly in the center of the shot so like that that scene where he wakes up and says I am the waffle maker <laughs> it just slow zooms on his nose and then sits there for a second and then he snaps awake and then when it does it later, it does the exact same shot, except this time Eileen gets up and like walks down into the basement and finds another refrigerator. And she starts having these crazy nightmare fuel kind of visions where first her mother's in this old refrigerator and she's dead. And then Steve's in the refrigerator with the mousetrap on his hand and he's weird. And then she opens it up again and it's like, full of blood and a fetus is floating around in it. Like I don't know what the fuck is happening. 
and she just keeps opening the door, which is what is so weird when they do this in front of the, they have sex in front of the refrigerator. He, Steve puts a fan, like you said, in the refrigerator to blow the cold air out, lays down a blanket. They have sex, but the refrigerator is like in on it yeah. kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And it's this weird, like, ritual sex threesome <laughs> with a refrigerator that's involved. Have, have you seen Midsummer yet? No. Well, I'm about to ruin a scene in Midsummer, so skip ahead if you don't want spoilers for Midsummer. But there's a scene where a guy is forced, basically forced to have sex with a girl from the village, and like all the women in the village are in there and they're naked, and the older women are like shoving his ass to make him humper. <laughs> they're just like grabbing onto his ass and shoving him to force him to humper, basically. And that that's kind of what I feel the refrigerator is doing in this instance. He's just mind, it's just mind controlling Steve to keep going. <laughs> Yeah, it's super weird. It is super weird. And the, there's, you know, the red light, and then the refrigerator starts lip dripping stuff out of it, blood or something, oil. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Let's see what happens after that. Mean Mommy comes the next day. Do you want to come? <laughs> I don't know how far in the sex scene is. I've been playing the refrigerator as we talk still, and I'm only just now starting part five, and we're still not to the sex scene. Has nothing happens. I literally <laughs> so little happens. All right, I'm just now getting to where the assistant guy dies. What's next? Da 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 da. Eileen and him making out. Okay, there's a sex scene in part six. Yeah, it's just as creepy as I remember it. And once again, Steve is just completely fucking naked. Meanwhile, she's in a dress with just no panties on, I guess. And uh, it's just gross and weird. And after that, I don't think anything really happens until Eileen starts to see dead mom and stuff. Like, her mom comes to visit. Her mom comes to visit and she's got this really bad hair that's very trump-like except for the female version where she's just grabbing all the halo of hair around the bottom and putting it in a bun on top of her head to make it seem like she's not bald uh. <laughs> and she's super weird when she gets there because she immediately like is chastising about this tile's bad you need to use these curtains like it's just negative, negative, negative. You have to clean everything a specific way. Once again, we're still getting these flashbacks to the mom on the kitchen floor about to stab herself, but then she just, like, decides not to, I guess. And that's the resolution of all of that. One of the scenes I, you hear a little girl who's, like, right next to the mom who's about to stab herself on the kitchen floor. And we presume it's Eileen. And Eileen, as a little girl in that in those flashbacks, says something to the effect of, like, no, I'll be good, I'll be good. You know, maybe she misbehaved and, like, the mom is, like, threatening to kill herself if she doesn't behave is maybe the, the takeaway. Obviously, I Eileen is fucked up from that, but is mostly seems to be handling it fairly well, considering. I, I just don't know why that was in the movie at all. It does nothing. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it either. There is a weird, at the end of this mommy scene, that when she comes to visit, she gets real real and she says hey i'm sorry the way i treated you back then and eileen's like this isn't the time for this like it's okay it's like water under the bridge you know the the time for that has passed and there's a weird thing with the voice that i think you noticed the mom's voice at 
at this scene. Oh, there, there's a lot of weird things with the voices in this movie that we haven't brought up yet. Like, there's a lot of voiceover that's coming from, like, the TV or from radios or just random speakers and shit from nowhere. It sounds like the actor who's playing Steve is doing all the male voices and the actor who's playing Eileen is doing all the female voices. Or maybe the director, like, just recorded some ADR on his own post-production to try and finish the movie. I don't know what the fuck was going on. Once again, Christopher Oldcorn, please get in touch. I need to know these things. Why is it so weird? It was jarring as fuck. <laughs> so she, it sounds like a different person is maybe saying it or suddenly her her voice has changed. I don't know what's happening. That scene ends. Eileen goes somewhere. I don't know. Whatever. She goes somewhere. And Mommy gets eaten by the refrigerator. <laughs> this is the second person. Eileen runs off to the magical Negro woman's shack in the park. And they have this weird conversation between her, the super guy, Pablo or whatever, and this woman they're just sitting in this very strange little shack talking about how to stop the evil or get away from the evil or something while the mom's being eaten by the refrigerator All right, well you know we're almost to the end of the movies and we don't have enough podcast time so to fill that out uh bird bird movie <laughs> pandemic <laughs> it was a movie we made it through you know 30 minutes of it <laughs> uh we made so. it through a lot more than that or i did <laughs> I dropped out. But once again, I have to thank my friend Foster Gray for forcing me to watch Birdemic. So we got done with the refrigerator and a bunch of us were like, well, I'm still bored and it's a Saturday night. And now I'm drunk, so I'm not going to do anything else. He pulls up Birdemic on Amazon Prime and we par watch party that. And it was one of the worst experiences ever. <laughs> yeah, how, You said you made it, what, 30 minutes in? I made it till right when things start to get the movie starts, basically. So it's like 30 minutes, nothing happens. There's just weird, awkward relationship scenes. And then the birds happen. And that's shortly after that. I was like, all right, I get it. I'm out. I'm good at that. <laughs> it, it was literally over halfway through the movie before birds show up. Like you see birds one other time before the halfway point of the movie. So this movie which is supposed to be about a quote-unquote birdemic, doesn't have birds in it for most of it. And then when the birds do show up, they're these really, really cheap CGI models that someone clearly got for free with a software package and were just very clumsily plugged into the footage they had. Uh, everything about birdemic is the worst. Like, And, and I know... Shitloads of YouTubers and podcasters have talked about Birdemic already, which is why we're never going to do an episode on it, which is why I wanted to just go ahead and talk about it while we're talking about The Refrigerator, which is also a movie no one should do a podcast about, but... <laughs> because technically, this isn't an episode <laughs> about Birdemic. <laughs> technically. I mean, about half of this episode is going to be about Birdemic, so if you're here for only The Refrigerator, go ahead and strap in for that. <laughs> Do not watch Birdemic. No, do not. Do not allow that movie to get any more views than it already has. There's enjoyable bad, and then there's just, this is painful bad, and this is painful. And if you haven't seen Birdemic, or you haven't watched or heard anything about it, let me just explain a few of the reasons why you should never watch this. 
I don't know the guy who made it. I haven't done any research on the behind the scenes of Birdemic. All I know is that this guy clearly just shot things whenever and wherever he could. Zero permits, zero anything, and didn't give a fuck about the quality of video, didn't care about consistency between shots, didn't care about fucking sound at all. The sound quality is all on set, and it changes dramatically. And clearly when he was editing the sound, he didn't know how to just line up segments or sound clips so that they were one continuous thing. So you'll get a shot of people on the left side of a conversation, and then when they cut to the right side of the conversation, the sound is completely different, or the sound will drop out for like a full second and then come back. And shit like that. It is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. The like technical filming and sound and editing and transitions and all of that stuff is, and CGI was the worst offender. But all of that is just very poorly done. And then you have, you know, I try not to rag on actors. Why? I don't know. I don't know why. I guess because they're people. You know, like a nameless editor, I can say, I don't know why. I just don't. I don't (laughs) like to. But it was not great. It was not great. You you know who else are people, Klaus? Writers, directors, directors of photography, editors. I like blaming them. See, I like, like, even if you get past the technical aspect of the filming and the editing and the transitions and all that stuff and the sound, and then the acting is not great, you know, and all of this stuff feeds into each other. And then the script is there's a bird pandemic of these birds that explode, which is very, very poorly done, the CGI. But even if you take that out, even if you had someone redo the movie and have very good bird CGI, there is, until the halfway point, there's nothing besides maybe one news article at the very beginning that says, like, there was a bunch of birds on the beach today or something, and that is it. There's no other hints that, like, there's weird birds coming down the line. It's just nothing about birds and it's just these two people that are getting to know each other, and then birds suddenly. The first half of the movie is about our main character working a sales job at a tech company that is being acquired by Oracle, which is a giant tech company. And then somehow he uses his gains from the sale of the company he worked for to start his own company, and then like two days later sells the company that he just made for a bunch of... It makes no sense. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's just no logic and no no flow of the plot into Birdemic, Bird Times. I know you don't want, like making fun of actors or whatever for whatever weird reason, and normally I don't either, but that's normally because we are watching movies made by people who should know better, you know? Like, the actors are generally decent actors, but you can tell when a director doesn't know how to direct them into being a good actor, into getting what the director really wants. This one, it's not that. It's not that the director took good actors and made them bad or failed to make them good. The actors are just bad on their fucking own, and the director is incompetent as shit, so everyone is to blame. And our lead actor in Birdemic is a fucking robot. There's multiple scenes where all he has to do is walk from point A to point B, and he's not even convincing at walking. (laughs) So his walk is so weird. <laughs> it is so like 
It's like if you got me, you know, on the stage, like, all right, you're going to do it. I, if you said, or Klaus, we're going to film this, I would suddenly feel very self-aware of like where my hands are. Yeah. And that's what it's like. <laughs> like, like you forget how to breathe for a second. You're like, Shit, yeah, do wow. I breathe out and then in or in and then out? I don't know. What? Where do I look? Do I look at the sidewalk? Do I look straight ahead, unmoving? Don't look anywhere else, just straight ahead. Don't turn to the side at all. Yeah, it it looks like he is in manual breathing mode, and it is painful. It's weird. It's painful. And then this poor, poor actress that is acting alongside him as the female lead, she's an extremely attractive woman, but dear God, the abuse that I imagine she had to go through to get this role, and then also to just like spend hours in a dirty, cheap motel room in nothing but panties and a bra, because I'm sure this yeah. fucking director was a goddamn creep, shot that scene as many times as he could that day just to keep her in those panties and bra. Yeah. Like, yeah. When, when the sex scene finally happens... They fall onto the cheap motel bed, and the guy's feet are perfectly clean, while hers are, like, stained black from walking back and forth on this dirty-ass carpet for hours. <laughs> Walmart feet, as you put it. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that's weird about this is, clearly, there's their weird funding source, and this is where I get a little conspiracy. Because there's, uh, there's another weird sex scene where... The co-worker of the sales guy. Weird sex scene with this other girl who's in... It's not even lingerie. It's like a bathing suit. Yeah, she's wearing a bathing suit. Which is kind of weird. She's wearing a bathing suit. I thought it was like a massage parlor, quote-unquote, at first. And then they're just in a hotel room that also has a big sign with... What is it? Imaginepeace. Imaginepeace.com, I believe it was. Which, uh, do not go to that. Because I tried to last night and I thought i downloaded every virus the internet has and what's weird is so that also comes up later where that same girl is in another scene and she's wearing a white shirt that says the same thing blatant, like blatantly on the front yeah, it's just black text on a white shirt and that's all the shirt is there's no picture there's no design no no it's just black lettering there's no logo yeah, it's just Times New Roman on a white shirt, and this website is apparently owned, or was owned, by Yoko Ono? Yeah, that's all I found out about it, because I started to go down the rabbit hole, and then I stopped myself, because that that's what I do for a lot of these movies I watch, is I get interested in them, and I go into this rabbit hole of finding out things about the production and things behind the scenes, but I started to do that with Birdemic, and I was like, Jake, no, just stop. No. This is not a rabbit no. hole that should be gone down. <laughs> the The last part about this movie that I think is is worth talking about, because I didn't see the rest of it, is um, <laughs> there's so this whole time the relationship is building. And I say that with very loose terms. It's very robotic. All the conversations are interview questions. There's no genuineness about it at all. The lines or the execution or anything else mm -hmm. uh, but there is a point where they go to a restaurant or something and there's this singer who must be someone that's known at least locally somewhere because they focus on him and he has like a five minute thing of him singing a song while the couple the main two are slow dancing to this very upbeat song with no one in the room <laughs> no one else in the room <laughs> 
Well, the entire restaurant is empty because they very clearly shot it like after closing at a restaurant just to be able to have a location to shoot. And they didn't have any extras. They didn't have anybody. They just had like somebody that works at the restaurant, which is a running theme for most of this movie in each location that they shoot in. Instead of like hiring another actor to play the teller or the waiter or whatever, they just get one of the people that works at the location to play the part. And it's very awkward and awful because you have people who aren't actors trying to read lines. <laughs> it's not like they just show up and hand food and then walk away. They have two or three lines every time. Which is, if they had just, because it's just, you do this every day. Just do what you normally do. Don't worry about it. No extra lines. Just like do the same thing. Oh, it's so bad. And the the song goes on for way too long. It's very upbeat. And the whole theme is like, we're going to have a party. It's going to be this big celebration. <laughs> and they're, they're, oh, they're not slow dancing at first. At first, they're doing this very awkward dance of like, it's the Will Smith dance from Hitch. <laughs> it, it's white people Hands dancing. Side, it's just white people dancing. Like, step to the right, snap. Step to the left, snap. Step to the right, snap. Step to the left, snap. And then snap. blonde girl's like doing this number, whatever this is. Where you just like hold your hands in front of you, elbows out to the side, and then kind of fist pump, you know, forward. Like she's doing that number. It's like twerking, but only the arms move. Yeah, like only the else. upper body part of twerking <laughs> because she's white and doesn't know how to like shake her ass, I guess. <laughs> it was really awkward and really poorly done. And, I and then right at so the bad. end of the scene, when we're about to cut away, that's when we see, like, the back and hair of the girlfriend of his co-worker off to the side. Her and the co-worker guy are supposed to be dancing right beside them, as if it were a big thing happening in town. And they're faced the other way, so you can't see their faces. Yeah, like, I, I think they wanted extras, but just didn't want to pay people. And they were like, well, they're on set. Have them stand just off screen. <laughs> don't know so fucking bad oh and you forgot to mention the the singer like when the song starts the vocals and all are already going and the singer guy is just kind of like dancing behind the microphone he's not singing at all and then when it cuts to the close-ups of him he's actually singing with the song <laughs> it's pretty poor and then this is right before I got off, because so you may, may have to take it from here. But there, there's like the sex scene, and then birds attack. And when I say birds attack, these very poorly done CGI birds overlaid fly into things and then explode. And there's a big fiery explosion, and it's very poor. <laughs> and and if that's not wild enough, that's crazy. There's They run out of the room later into another room where they find these other two people. It's not the co-worker and his girlfriend. It's just the random other people. They run to a van. They're swiping with coat hangers at the birds. <laughs> they get into the car. And then the, the, this rando that you just meet, this new character, has an M16 and a, and a handgun in his van. This, like, black, scary van. Don't worry. That gets explained in a little while. You might have been gone by the time they explained it. but uh, That's the last thing I saw, yeah. He, he's a veteran, and he has a message for the audience about how war is bad and wrong. In fact, it's Badong. The entire movie is filled with these asides in the fucking script where we have to talk about global warming. We have to talk about how war is bad. We have to talk about how people are killing the planet. And I think that's 
kind of like The Happening from M. Night Shyamalan, where the trees and nature started making human beings kill themselves because human beings were killing the planet, so trees started fighting back. This, though, I think it's supposed to be human beings are killing the planet, so birds are falling out of the sky and exploding like fucking bombs, which makes no sense. But I'm pretty sure that's what the thesis of the movie was. <laughs> it's just, it's just so bad. And I, I didn't hate it quite as much as Rubber. Because Rubber, the, the director, was very clearly like trying to harm me with his film. <laughs> It was assault, is what it was. And this was kind of like manslaughter. You know, like it was non-intentional. He didn't mean to, but he still did. Uh, I mean, manslaughter is still much worse than assault. Um, just putting that out there. <laughs> well, murder and manslaughter. Oh, listen, I'm not a lawyer. You were a bail bondsman for several years, though. You should know this. Oh, shit. I've never seen murder, though. Oh, I, I saw some murder charges working up there. Like the only time I saw it is they don't have a yeah they don't you, have a bond. You don't get bonds they, they for murder don't get out. around here. Yeah, but it, if we, I don't think we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but we both worked as bail bondsmen for a number of years. I think total I worked about seven years up there. Yeah, and I worked maybe a few years straight, and then a few like summers here and there or something. Yeah, but, very odd job. So that was a soul sucking just the lack of sleep and what you were doing every day just kind of like ground on you yeah that was the job that i finally just quit and moved to a different city one day because i couldn't fucking take it anymore so <laughs> yeah which probably won't be the last time i do that but <laughs> that job was almost as soul-sucking as birdemic was um so just to wrap up the rest of Birdemic for you, especially since you didn't stick around for the rest of it, Klaus. Basically, our main characters and these two new people that they just picked up, they drive around for a while. Gas prices shoot up to $100 a gallon. They see uh, the new guy character who's an ex-soldier. Hey everyone, this is Jake coming from the editing bay. I just want you to know this clip I'm about to play from Birdemic, I did nothing to the audio at all except for take a clip out of the movie. Keep that in mind. Hey, there's dead people on the side of the road. Let's go see if there's any survivors. Okay. Don't know how you're gonna help dead bodies, but okay. And they find two children who are left alive while their parents and all were just brutally murdered in front of them by birds. They pick up the children to save them. And now we have a ready-made family that we're attached to for no reason between our main characters and the two children they just randomly picked up. To roll credits? No, uh, and then a uh, soldier guy and his girlfriend or wife or whatever, they both get killed by birds. And then we have weird scenes of our main characters trying to survive off of nature, just like fishing off of the beach and foraging for seaweed on the beach and trying to make stew out of that. And the movie ends with just them standing on the beach, staring out over the water as the birds fly away over the ocean as if they were flying to their own deaths. Instead of, like, freeze-framing, fade to black, roll credits or anything, the credits roll over this scene of them standing at the beach staring out at the water. And it's not a still, 
It's not like a freeze frame or anything like that. It is a continuous shot of these four characters standing on the beach, staring out into the ocean as birds, CGI birds, fly away. And it stays Why? on that shot for the entire credits. <laughs> Why? I don't know. There's no explanation for anything in that fucking movie. So I guess the birds killed the bad people and left the solar panel people alive. <laughs> and Sure. I don't I know. It was fucking awful. My my favorite part of the movie making aspects is they did have a dolly that they used. The unfortunate problem was that it wasn't a very long dolly track. And every time the dolly hit the end of the track, the camera wobbled. <laughs> so it would hit the end of the track, the camera would wobble. And then whoever was working the camera, I'm assuming our director, had to like try and fix the camera to get whatever he's supposed to be focusing on back into the center of the shot. And then the dolly would roll back to the other end of the track and the camera would wobble and he'd have to fix it again. But, you know, instead of like tightening everything down and redoing the shot, he was just like, fuck it, I'll fix it in post. And by that, he meant this is just going to look really terrible and people are going to hate it. It did seem like anything they had access to, they used it all the time. Uh, they used the dolly all the time. Uh -huh. They panned. Like any technique, they're like, oh, panning is a technique. Let's do that all the time. Let's do transitions Every all the scene. time for no reason. Oh, dude, there was yeah. that scene where we were doing smash cuts, like shot reverse shot during a conversation, but then Every once in a while, instead of a smash cut, shot, reverse shot, it would be a dissolve. And it would just change randomly, like, this one's going to be a smash cut, this one's going to be a dissolve. Smash cut, smash cut, smash cut, dissolve. Smash cut, dissolve. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? I'm ready for, like, some films I'm, I'm going to enjoy the ride on. <laughs> and I have nothing but positive things to say. My life will be in a better spot. Anyway, that's Birdemic. Don't watch it. I give it a zero out of ten. I've had two horrible movie experiences in the past month, and this was by far the worst, because Knock Knock was still more enjoyable than this, mostly because I got to see Ana de Armas's tits. So, yeah, don't watch Birdemic. Don't watch Knock Knock either, but it's better than this. I give Birdemic a... Someone tried to make, um, like, alcohol, like Moonshine. And they didn't, they're so incompetent, they didn't pour out or burn off the methanol in the distillation process, um, which will kill you. <laughs> so that's what I give it out of 10. Okay, so let's finish the refrigerator. Let's, you know, let's just... Let's do it. And then it ends. <laughs> no. So Eileen was talking to the magical woman and the super. She goes back home the whole time. She's just like, why can't we leave? And Steve's like, we can't. The refrigerator's here. Why would we leave the refrigerator? Yeah, Steve's getting worse. His jealousy. And he's like, take these pills. You're being a weirdo. Um, and she's just like, I want to just leave. Get rid of the refrigerator, Steve, please. I'm asking this. Yeah, and he's like, uh, you're a woman. You're being hysterical. Here, I got you some Valium. Don't know where he got the Valium. He just busts it out and is like, take the Valium, bitch. <laughs> yeah, and it's in a paper sack. I don't know if it was from a legitimate source. <laughs> then we get this weird nightmare scene of Eileen walks into the kitchen and we're at the doorway to hell, apparently, and her mom is there. And that's where we get the wonderful, don't you want to come <laughs> line. Uh, don't you want to I'm come? sorry. Don't you want to come? I still don't know what that sounds like because this program doesn't give me a feedback loop to hear myself. So. 
It's like you're talking underwater with a helium voice. <laughs> so I think Steve is like, oh, the refrigerator is my favorite. And he carries Eileen to the refrigerator. And for her, I think her perspective is she sees like a cave to hell. And there's stuff all over the ceiling and cobwebs and dead people and stuff. And it's it's a very hellish scene. And then there's a brief flash of the same scene with Steve holding Eileen walking towards the open refrigerator. And there's none of that in the room. It's just a, a normal kitchen with the refrigerator open. So Steve, I don't think, sees any of this. But regardless, they get to the open refrigerator. And, and Steve's basically trying to feed Eileen to the refrigerator at this point. Like, he's all on board mm -hmm. with the cult of the refrigerator. He's offering up his sacrifice. <laughs> so this this does bring up a point that I wanted to make, which was, did Oculus steal from this movie? Because... I brought up Oculus last night. Like, there's some similarities. The refrigerator seduces Steve in the same way that the lasser glass seduces the dad. There is multiple moments where Steve, Eileen will come into the room and the refrigerator is open and Steve is just staring into the open refrigerator. Mm -hmm. Just like Oculus. Yes. In Oculus, the lasser glass torments the mom while seducing the dad. And in the refrigerator, it torments Eileen while seducing Steve. It's fucking insane that these two movies have this much in common, to be quite frank. <laughs> I agree. It is shocking because Oculus is such a good horror movie, and that is, for me, a person that does not like horror movie at all. It scares me. I'm a baby. Call me out on it. But the Oculus was good. This is such a not good movie, <laughs> and yet there's so many points where it lines up with the Oculus. Uh, speaking of Oculus and Mike Flanagan, you say his name and I just... Your Lord and Savior. Yeah, I just get a movie boner, apparently. His uh, Netflix show just came out, like, in the past week or two, The Haunting of Bly House. So, everybody go watch that. I'm already, like, halfway through it. It's fucking awesome. It's very much Mike Flanagan. So <laughs> if if you like Mike Flanagan stuff, you'll like this. Trust me. But yeah, it's really good. Go watch it and go watch The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix if you haven't seen it yet either. But anyway, back to the shitty one. So Steve's trying to feed her to the refrigerator and there's a scuffle. I don't remember exactly how this happens, but there's a knife. Is there at this point? I don't think it's even at this point. He gets... I think that's later. I don't know. Later? At some point he gets stabbed, and I thought it was, nah, it's like at the end. Yeah, that's at the very end. So part nine, last ten minutes of the movie, here we go. Yeah, Steve's all talking to the fridge and wakes up Eileen. He's trying to take her in there to it, and she gets a hold of a knife. I don't know where she gets the knife from. It must just spawn in her hand randomly. Mm -hmm. She just buries it into Steve's back. It's pretty great. And the the shot of Steve laying on the kitchen floor holding the knife between his arm and side is pretty great. There's another moment that lines up with Oculus. Okay, go ahead. Jake just saw me like ripping my hair out on camera. <laughs> yeah. Where after he gets stabbed by Eileen, he like falls on the ground, he's bleeding out. He's like face down on the ground, he's looking towards Eileen, and he says something like to the point of to the thing of like you're my wife, run, or get out of here, or something like that. Something to the same effect that the father in Oculus said to the son in the flashback scene, where he's like, get out of here. Like, it's a moment of clarity where he's not possessed by the haunted object, and they say, run away, essentially. Yeah, here, hold on, I'm going to listen to the clip real quick, and I'll plug the clip in right here as well. Get away, I leave. 
swim. Swim away, my little kissing Old corn is Mike Flanagan. <laughs> or is Mike Flanagan a hack that stole from Christopher Oldcorn? <laughs> Holy shit. Mike Flanagan, you hack. Plot stealing son of a bitch. <laughs> oh no, my savior has been ruined. <laughs> what? Oh god. So yeah, um, the refrigerator's hold is finally broken on Steve as he bleeds out on the kitchen floor. <laughs> and uh, that leaves Eileen. Um, suddenly, the super, I guess, heard her screaming and everything. So the super. And two of his friends run into the apartment. They start, like, knocking over lamps for no reason. And the super is using his fucking plumber tools to, like, wrap up the refrigerator. And there's a whole extended fight scene versus... It's, like, two guys, Eileen, the magical black woman, and the refrigerator all just brawling in this tiny New York apartment. <laughs> I think this movie was a prequel to two things. One, Super, Super Mario Brothers, because the Super is basically a plumber, but he's like a badass plumber that fights crime or something, or in this case, monsters. And the other movie is Transformers, because the refrigerator is like a Decepticon, because suddenly... Like the blender and the fan and everything else starts coming alive. Like the toaster starts coming alive to help fight the plumber. And it's a showdown Decepticons versus uh, Mario. The toaster, the blender, the juicer, it all comes to life. And the uh, even the fans, like the mm -hmm. protective casings on them fall off and the fans are chopping the face off of a guy which is pretty glorious uh, you get some great gore here in this final scene <laughs> yeah if both of those things you mentioned didn't exist before the refrigerator i might agree with you <laughs> you know what is time you know the flow of time what direction does it go <laughs> what people are say? stealing things from whom <laughs> <laughs> who can say and that leads to our final wrap-up scene. Do you even remember the, like, wrap-up ending to this? You don't, do you? I remember the fight scene. I don't, I don't remember <laughs> who loses. I don't remember who dies. That's all I remember. That's the last moment. The only two characters that make it back out of the apartment are Eileen and the Super. And I could have guessed that, sure. They're immediately <sighs> in love with each other because, of course, they are. They're the only survivors. I do remember this. Now they're at a talent show or something, and they're going to be dancing together. That's it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why any of this. Isn't there a final part where the landlord is like, hey, 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 I'm going to rent out this apartment again or something? Yeah, there is that. And then he <laughs> spits out the window onto the street, and some street toughs are like, hey, what the fuck? And the end. Freeze frame. The end. <laughs> we made it. I, I don't know what this is. Like, this movie just, it breaks my mind. I don't understand how it got made, why it got made. I, I don't know how it still exists on the internet to where I, we could watch it. I don't understand any of it. I really need answers. That's my thing. This feels like a, a Johnny Rotten, House of Leaves, Dark Stairwell, read all the footnotes backwards while doing hopscotch amount of work you have to do to find this film. 
And I think also watching part of the bird demic movie made this movie seem way better. There's enough wacky lines like the waffle maker line and the weird dancing out of nowhere. There's enough weird wacky stuff that happens and it's a poorly made movie that's entertaining that it seemed like it's okay. <laughs> Though on paper it's it's definitely not. I'm reading the thanks to screen from the credits here i wanted to figure out where all they shot so there is a thanks to the new york mayor's office of film and tv so they must have gotten um actual permits to shoot this film which i figured they did that's a good sign where else here i I saw at least one other place mentioned oh they thanked burger palace and empire bakery so that's nice of them yeah i I guess they shot everything in new york who to guess I, I, I honestly thought the stuff at the beginning of the movie was shot somewhere else. It doesn't look like any part of New York that I'm familiar with, but I've only been to the city, so I can't say much. So this was The Refrigerator, 1991. What are your final thoughts on this movie? What's the rating you would get? And since it's the last movie of this subgenre, how do you think it kind of fits in and your overall view of the subgenre? Oof, that's a lot of questions. And after a movie that only gave me more and more questions that's going to be tough the refrigerator once again i threw it on this list because i remembered watching it when i was a kid i literally didn't remember anything except for that final fight scene where they're fighting the refrigerator and i remembered some of the gore and the craziness but everything else was completely gone from my mind as it will probably be gone from everyone's mind within the first 30 minutes after watching the film. That's why I've been playing the movie the whole time we've been recording today, is because I didn't remember anything from it. All I remembered was like two wacky lines and then the final fight scene yet again. That's the only takeaway, though, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, that that's all that's there. Shit, man, it's it's bad. It's boring a lot of the time. None of the characters make a lick of sense. They're all insane. Everything is surreal and nothing feels grounded at all. I don't know. I, I'm i going to give it like a 1 out of 10. It was better than Birdemic. <laughs> it's, it's bad, guys. Don't... Like I said, if you want something to put on in the background and not pay attention to, feel free. It's... It's free on YouTube, doesn't even have ads. Just throw it on. There's some funny parts, but Jesus Christ, don't sit down and, like, watch this film. It's bad. Yeah. I really hope Christopher Oldcorn reaches out to me. I reached out to him. I'm hoping he gets back to me. Maybe we can... I don't know if we want to re-record the episode, but maybe I can at least, like, get an interview with Christopher Oldcorn and get some of these burning questions answered. Maybe get some behind-the-scenes <laughs> notes of what the fuck went on with this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, 1 out of 10. Don't watch it. As far as the themes and where it fits in with haunted item horror, this was a fun subgenre, man. I I had a lot of fun with the first three movies, and I had a lot of fun last night watching this with all of you guys and just drinking a shitload of scotch and laughing at every little thing. But this movie doesn't fit well with the other three at all, because the other three, even if you hate rubber, I think the other three were all made well. There was a lot of love and craft put into the other three movies. You had, you know, some problems here and there, and you can question the motives behind, especially Rubber. You can definitely question the motives behind that one. Overall, the subgenre is pretty cool. 
and there was more in common with each movie than I even thought there would be. As we said, with like the A plot and B plot throughout the first three movies, I was really shocked by that. And especially considering how we chose one fairly well-known horror horror movie and then a horror comedy that is poking fun at horror tropes and then a horror comedy that is poking fun at the relationship between art, artist, and audience. And then this piece of shit that's just, I don't know, it felt like three or four guys got together and were, like, stoned and just said, you know what would be funny is a movie about a refrigerator that eats people and maybe it's a gateway to hell or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one just doesn't fit in. But the, the subgenre as a whole... I'm on board with. I would love to revisit this subgenre at some point because there are so many haunted item horror movies out there. Uh, I we could probably even be more specific with this subgenre too. I think. I, I think we could break it down into smaller ones. We're definitely doing haunted dolls eventually one day. I don't know how far off that is, but we'll. We'll be getting into more specific haunted items eventually. What are your thoughts on this movie here? And and go ahead and go into your thoughts on the subgenre as a whole as well. So this movie, I would equate it to like cheap beer and pretzels. You, you never really wanted to be your meal that you sit down alone with. And, you know, if you're sharing with a, a loved one or somebody <laughs> you want to impress, probably don't want to serve them beer like cheap beer and pretzels. <laughs> but if you're in a group of people who can have a good time and laugh and, and joke, sometimes beer and pretzels is all you need. Just something cheap and easy and light, and you don't have to pay attention to it the whole time or at all. Um, and that's what this movie is. It's beer and pretzels, and it's it's just fine. It is what it is. <laughs> and if you know what it is, then you can eat it in the appropriate setting. <laughs> so that's my rating for this movie. The subgenre in general I really liked the ones you picked because when Haunted Item was pitched, I was really, I'm not a horror person. I was like, okay, this can be scary, but it really, it wasn't, you know, you picked Oculus, which is scary, but it's a very well done movie. Then you have Cabin in the Woods, which is technically a Haunted Item movie, <laughs> but it it's funny. It It's a comedy horror or something. It's something in the middle, so which is really fun. Rubber is an abomination, and I hate everything <laughs> about that. But this movie was kind of fun, too. You know, it was a beer and pretzels movie. I can I can get down with it in a group mm. setting. That's my my overall feeling on the subgenre. I'm sure, um, like you said, there you can have more specific subgenres of this subgenre just because there's so many of them there's got to be you know a few that have enough in common that you can be very specific but it was fun and it was just off the top of my head we could probably do like nazi related haunted item horror because i can think of like two or three movies already that are just like oh this item belonged to a nazi so it's haunted and now things are happening <laughs> Yeah, like certainly dolls, houses, if you're calling a house a, an I item. I think that's a totally different thing, but yeah. It's a different thing, yeah. But it's a, you know, a non-sentient mm -hmm. thing. But yeah, soldiers, you know, is a, I think a one step up. But yeah, you can easily find some. So my big takeaway with this subgenre is it's interesting to see. I thought everything was going to be very similar and samey, and it was not at all. You can find great variety even in a very specific subgenre, which I enjoyed. Sans rubber, which is a horrible 
thing. <laughs> I'm sorry for making you watch Rubber. I'm never going to hear the end of it. <laughs> it's literal poison. <laughs> Have a fun spooktober, guys. I know it's almost over, but, you know, finish it out strong. Halloween is on a Saturday. So even if you have to, I don't know, Skype or Discord or whatever voice over IP of choice, go go do it. Hang out with some friends, sit in a costume at home and drink beer and wave at people through your webcam. <laughs> Socialize. Be a community. Love. <laughs> Happy Halloween, Klaus. I'm glad I got to torture you for yet another month. <laughs> Happy Spooktober, Jake, and to our... Lisa Nails. Goodbye, everybody. Have fun. We'll see you next month. Bye.